fantasy football fans. This is Jeff Power, Senior Editor with Real-Time Fantasy Sports, and welcome to another edition of the Real-Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's podcast, we're going to continue our series of position previews for the coming season. Today, we're going to preview the running back position. We have on Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey does a great job over there at the huddle, and he's going to talk about the running back position with us today. Before we get to that interview with Corey, though, I did want to mention that here at Real-Time Fantasy Sports, we are offering the Fantasy Championship once again. And this year, the prize has been upped. We're giving away $250,000 for the winner of the Fantasy Championship this year. Get in today because it will sell out. It is strictly limited to the first 4,200 entries, and it sold out well before Labor Day last year. If you want to get in the contest, it costs $250 per team, or you can do three teams for $700. And there's also $1,500 in league prizes, so it's not just limited to the big prize of a quarter of a million dollars. Go to thefantasychampionship.com and sign up today for a chance to win $250,000. Again, this will sell out. We sold out well before Labor Day last year. So go to thefantasychampionship.com and get in the premier online contest this fantasy season. And now, here's my interview with Corey Bonini previewing the running back position for the coming season. And I'm joined now by Corey Bonini, Senior Fantasy Editor at The Huddle. You can follow him on Twitter, at Corey underscore Bonini, B-O-N-I-N-I. Corey, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast once again. Always happy to join. Corey, first thing I want to talk to you about before we get to the running back position preview for the podcast is uh, what's going on with you right now over at The Huddle? Tell our listeners what you guys got going on over there. Well, we're right in the heat of battle, as I'm sure you're well aware. It's that time of the year where everything's uh, hot and heavy, getting you ready for your drafts and uh, uh, everything you possibly could need for uh, fantasy you know, preparation is over at the huddle. We've been online for over 22 years now. We have a lot of free content, and we also have uh, you know, the majority of the meat and potatoes behind a paywall. But uh, just for your listeners today, we have a discount code, $10 off the subscription price if you use the code all small letters, USAT19, that's USAT19, to receive $10 off of the normal huddle subscription price. Awesome, awesome stuff. I highly suggest people take advantage of that. They do a great job over there at thehuddle.com. Corey and all the writers over there really really do great work. So, Corey, we're talking running back today. So before we get to maybe the players and specific questions about players and and who guys you were looking at taking this year, avoiding, or any of that stuff. I just want to talk about strategy with you. It seems like things change from year to year based on what happened the previous year. So for this year, how are you attacking the running back position? Well, I try to remain flexible, and I think a big thing this year is draft position. If you're in the top three picks, you're guaranteed a strong running back. There's no question around that. But then when you get to that number four spot, it becomes a little dicey. Do you take that chance on Ezekiel Elliott? Do you turn and go... Maybe a wide receiver right there. Do you possibly bump somebody like David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell up into that number four spot and feel like, you know, that's a little bit uneasy in my opinion. And then you get into that five, six, seven spot and you have some leeway, some flexibility. Maybe you don't feel quite so committed to a running back. And then in the second half of the draft, I've seen it all over the or first round, I should say, second half of the first round. I you know, see people drafting guys all over the place. I can't find any consistency to it. So it really, to me, comes down to where you're at. But overall, I try my best to come out of the first two rounds 
with two running backs, unless I'm in that dicey territory. And then I think maybe the best policy is try and mix it between one good running back, one good receiver, because there are a lot of mid-tier running backs this year. Unlike most seasons where you find yourself really throwing a lot of darts, hoping somebody lands, so many guys right now, especially at a value price, if you ask me, when you get into round three through five, even six, you can find a lot of guys. So my overall strategy right now is if you can come away with three running backs in the first six picks, I don't care how you balance the rest of your team. You're looking like you're going to be in a pretty strong position for having that nucleus going into the season because, after all, running backs, they're volatile. A lot of players get hurt, especially early in the year. So, Corey, you kind of mentioned Elliott already. That's that's my next question for you. Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, both these guys, they weren't holding out or first-round picks in fantasy, nearly all fantasy drafts, but they're holding out right now. So, how do you approach these guys? Are you going to touch them at all? Are you going to let somebody else take them? If they fall to you at a certain point, are you going to pick them? Just uh, how are you going to go after Elliott and Gordon this year? Very carefully. <laughs> Again, <laughs> it comes down to the situation, and this is uh, an interesting topic. Uh, if you come over to the huddle right now, I will have a free article going out later today that goes into these situations a little in a little more detail and touches on some of these other guys who are in dicey situations. So specifically to Elliott. It's, that's a unique situation. He has two years left on his contract. He, according to you know, reports, his camp says they're not going to budge. But Dallas has other priorities that they have to lock up contractually. So it comes down to who blinks first in that situation. I don't see any possible way Ezekiel Elliott can sit out the entire season. I don't see any possible way Dallas is going to trade him. Chances are he might miss a few games, but he, his camp is going to blink first. Best guess I have is they're going to work out some type of short-term, high-money situation for him and then be back in this you know, reevaluation of his contract situation in probably two years. But Melvin Gordon scares me. I don't know that we see Melvin Gordon ever play for the Chargers again. So then it brings up the question of, okay, do they trade him? If they trade him, where does he go? We're already late in the stage for learning an offense if you're going to a new team. Then you have to wonder what type of shape he's kept himself in. You have to wonder, will he fit the system? Will he be in a time show? There's just so many variables there. That makes me a lot more nervous. The Beautiful situation I think you have here with, with Melvin Gordon. He's falling all the way into the third round in a lot of drafts, where Ezekiel Elliott, I haven't seen him fall past pick eight. So you're really investing a lot if you're taking the chance on Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, then Gordon on the, the other, on the other hand. You're probably at this point able to get him as an RB2, mitigate some risk, and you know what's going on with that backfield replacement situation with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, and we've seen Eckler shine in limited work. So you don't have to feel quite as uneasy about it, whereas Elliott, there are a lot of question marks behind Elliott. Sure, there will be opportunities in a great scenario, but we just simply don't know what to expect from any of those players behind him. Todd Gurley, another running back with some question marks because of his knee issues. Do you feel comfortable drafting him at all? And if so, when would you draft him? That's an, another one where you ask me every, every day of the week and you might get a different answer, different times of the day I may answer differently. My current feeling right now is this. It's a tougher pill to swallow because you know that at some point you have a 50-50 situation with Gordon or Elliott, for example. They're either going to play or they're not going to play, right? Whereas Gurley, you just don't know. He might be active. He might make the roster or the active lineup that Sunday and be in theory, in your fantasy lineup, and he gets four carries. Or he, you know, explodes on your bench because he hasn't played for two or three straight games and you just don't know what to do with him. So it's a lot tougher situation to evaluate. He's talented and explosive enough and in a great enough offense that if he gets, say, even 15 touches a game, 
he can still be an RB2 for you. And if you can get him at that RB2 price, great. But he's right on the cusp. He's right in that range of RB1, RB2 for price tag in most drafts I'm seeing. So I'm probably the most fearful of him. But you know that if he's healthy and he's on the field, you are getting an absolute steal. So I've been cautioning people this way. If you're a risk-averse owner, look somewhere else. It's just not worth the headache to you. If you're the type of owner who likes to take the gamble and you're confident in your ability to build a team around him if he isn't there, by all means, you're getting a, you know, a standout value on an elite player. So, Corey, I know you've done some drafts this year. I've been in a couple with you already. How about some guys that you've been targeting at running back in those early drafts, maybe some guys you've rostered on a lot of your teams so far? Well, if you look at any one of my rosters, I have Marlon Mack on just about every one of them. I think he's a tremendous value. With that said, most of the picks I've made of Marlon Mack have been before all of this recent development with Andrew Luck's leg. I'm now becoming a little more fearful there. Mack is behind an excellent offensive line, but that situation gets really scary if we don't have Andrew Luck under center. There's no reason for a defense to fear Jacoby Brissett. So other guys that I'm finding myself drafting a lot, carry on Johnson, especially after Theo Riddick was released, that there's huge upside, especially in PPR there. I'm finding myself gravitating toward David Montgomery a lot. I'm intrigued by the situation, even though it's a timeshare like you're seeing in a lot of situations. Chris Carson, to me, is a tremendous value. The 21st overall running back right now going off the board early round four. All reports suggest he's by far and away the best back out of that offense right now. And I still think even with the injury to Derrick Henry, he's still a value going in the middle of round four. And then once he starts getting a little later, there's some dart throws there if you want to go deeper. But for now, those are the earlier round guys I find myself rostering a lot. We talked about Elliott and Gordon and Gurley guys with some question marks. So you gave your thoughts on those guys. But how about some other guys that you were avoiding, just letting uh... – other people take a chance on at this point? I find myself a little leery to draft James Conner. I'm not sure what exactly to expect there in terms of the, the timeshare situation. He can be the bell cow, but will they allow him to be the bell cow, especially after the injury late last season? That really stung for fantasy purposes. But we know the guy's talented enough. He's versatile. He can get it done in you know, either of the prominent two fantasy scoring systems. A little worried about Joe Mixon. That offensive line is a dumpster fire. I have no idea what to expect in the first year of a new offense with, you know, the whole coaching staff being fresh. How, how do you really get an accurate gauge on what to expect there? And then without having A.J. Green, do they have any reason to fear the passing game? I start getting a little nervous when we talk about Damian Williams in late round two, early round three. Huge, huge player in the second, well, about, what, the final five games there last season we – we got a real big boost from him off the waiver wire, but there was no track record. We just don't know what to go on. They're long-term. I think maybe some overvalue of Aaron Jones is going on, but the one guy, I mean, I always tell people, there's never going to be a player in fantasy that I will say absolutely under no circumstance will I draft if the value's right. You plug your nose and you draft the player at a certain time, but I have no confidence in Devonta Freeman. I, I, I just don't want him on a team. I don't want to deal with the headache. Yeah, you're totally right with that about a uh, price tag. Though it's all about the price tag, you got to take it in context uh, when it comes to taking guys. So uh, late round running back options, some guys you can take a flyer on later in drafts. Maybe they could end up in a good situation where they get more work, or maybe they're PPR options because they catch the ball well. How about some late round running back options you're looking at this year? Well, one guy's right on the cusp, and it depends on how serious your league is. Latavius Murray intrigues me. He's going 
on average in the early round seven territory. I've seen him slide all the way to like round 10. If you can get him somewhere around nine or 10, that's a pretty good value for a guy who might easily just step into the one-two down role that we saw from Mark Ingram in that offense the last few years. I just don't believe that they're going to go full blast with Kamara and make him this guy who touches the ball 25 times a game. I don't see it. So I'm staying away from all things Washington backfield right now. I really don't see, even at a value, maybe Adrian Peterson, but I'm still, at some point, the wheels are going to fall off, if you ask me. I don't really like the Philadelphia situation. That's a little dicey. Sanders isn't you know, an intriguing talent, but he's being overdrafted in a lot of leagues as far as I'm concerned. And another situation I'm, I'm a little worried about there, I think there's talent to be found in Miami, but we're still not entirely sure what that carry split's going to look like. The coaching staff is, you know, a big question mark. The offensive line's a question mark. The passing game, you know, how many, how many negatives can you have to, you know, worry about from one backfield? It, it's just tough to get involved in something like that. So you mentioned a lot of the second-tier options available this year at the running back spot, guys like Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Marlon Mack, who you said you've rostered in a lot of teams, Leonard Fournette, Damian Williams. For me, I just don't have a great read on it right now. And A lot of these guys can do great, and I feel like I've rostered any of these guys I've mentioned on some of my teams already, but who do you trust out of that second-tier group of backs? I mean, they're kind of boomer bust picks in my view. Who do you who do you feel comfortable taking after those top eight or so backs are gone? The one I trust the most has to be Chris Carson. I'm pretty well convinced he's, under any circumstance, no worse than an RB2. Uh, really thinking that David Montgomery is trustworthy, even though there's nothing to base that on other than limited work here, but he fits the system. And, you know, Tariq Cohen's not going to be able to do it on his own. There's just no way that's going to happen, if you ask me. Uh, Mack, again, I trust, absolutely trust. I legitimately believe Marlon Mack's a top five running back in fantasy this year if Andrew Luck plays all 16 games. I really legitimately buy into that. Uh, guys I trust the most later on, James White, especially in PPR, if you're looking for points. You know, a lot of people who play, like, rotisserie baseball will chase steals, for example, or chase saves, something like that. In some ways, in PPR football, you can do that. You can get a running back who's not necessarily a PPR guy early on, but you know he's going to be there every week and be stable for you. And then in your flex spot, you can look at a guy like James White, who's going to get you, you know, excuse me, potentially four to six catches every single week. I don't know that I can confidently say I trust Lamar Miller, but how do you not like the value? RB31, the middle of the sixth round for a guy who has effectively no proven competition for the bell cow type of work. We have some questions about whether he'll catch passes, but that's never really been ultimately his game to begin with. You mentioned some of the timeshare situations already uh, when I was talking about the late round running back options. I wanted to hit on maybe the Denver situation with you. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. Do you like either of those guys uh, for their current price tag? Do you feel comfortable taking them? No, I, I don't like Lindsay whatsoever. I'm fearful. I mean, look, he had a tremendous season last year, saved a lot of owners. I mean, you got him for almost nothing. But going right around the turn of round four, round five, had the wrist injury last year, it'd be a little different if it was like an ACL or something that you would say, oh, wow, that might affect his ability to run the ball. But what it says to me is there's a potential fear for durability concerns. He's not a big guy to begin with. 
What happens if he breaks down again early on? My target out of that backfield is absolutely Royce Freeman is going basically three, four rounds later. You're getting a player who a lot of owners were drafting in round three last year. He was extremely hyped. He played pretty well in the first four or five games of the year. He just simply got outplayed. And if that you know, touch split becomes closer to 50-50, I'm pretty confident Freeman can be the better of the two backs. I'm not buying in, per se, to either of them in any sense, but if I'm looking for that reserve back and nothing else is overly appealing to me, Freeman's the guy I'm going after there. What about Darius Geis in Washington? I know you said you don't really care for Peterson at all, so if that's the case, do you think Geis could end up being the guy that gets the most work there, and will he have any fantasy value? Can he stay healthy? I think that's a big question with him. That offensive line isn't very impressive either, but do you have any uh, any thoughts on guys for the coming year? Well, he'd have to do so much with so little, and that's kind of like what we're saying with Adrian Peterson. We know what he is capable of. Maybe the wheels fall off there, and Peterson really stinks this year, and Geis gets a chance to showcase what he can do with the majority of the touches. I just don't trust that Geis can stay healthy. The offensive line, as he touched on, isn't in any quality shape, especially losing their best left tackle or their best you know, player, period, being you know at the left tackle spot. I don't even think that we're going to see him again this year for the Redskins. And the quarterback situation, I mean, what do you have there? You have to think at some point they're going to, you know, go with Haskins, right? I mean, he's been up and down so far in the preseason, but you have to think at some point he's going to get that shot. So what do you have? And you have no receivers. The box is going to get stacked. Guys can't stay on the field so far with limited work. He struggled to come back from the ACL tear. He's had multiple surgeries for problems like infections. Why, I guess? There are so many other guys. When you're talking about a mid-seventh-round pick, there's so many guys going after him that have more upside and are in cleaner situations. So, Corey, how about some rookie backs? Josh Jacobs, clearly the cream of the crop when it comes to the rookie running backs this year. But after him, it gets a little more muddled. I guess David Montgomery might stand out uh, with that next group. But him and Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, maybe in Buffalo. How about the rookie backs this year? Anybody intrigue you? Uh, maybe maybe not for this year, but for dynasty purposes as well, if you want to touch on that too. I actually think for this year, it might be one of the best rookie crops we've seen in some time. Not all the guys have direct paths to playing time. They might need a break here or there, but you know, as we touched on earlier, running backs are extremely volatile. Any one of these guys could get a you know, shot at it to just due to an injury. So Sanders is probably the most talented guy, but he's in a really touchy situation. I just don't trust that the coaching staff's going to give him the majority of the work, even if he does stand out early on. I'm a little interested in Daryl Henderson there. We heard early that he could be that Alvin Kamara light kind of player where you see him on third downs and he's a change-up. And obviously you have the girly situation that could open up playing time for him. I'm trying to stash Henderson as much as I can. He's actually trending downward lately, which is uh, kind of a <laughs> kind of a nice thing to have if you're the type of person who buys into the speculative you know picks for running backs. So when you start getting a little bit later than that, you're looking at guys like Singletary, as you mentioned. He's got two veterans in front of him, but. That's a lot of age. <laughs> There's certainly a, a shot there at playing time, and he's looked okay you know, in his own right. Alexander Madison from Minnesota, he's at this point the clearest backup to Dalvin Cook. I think he has to be one of the top, if not probably the number three rookie running back to, to be targeting. 
He could easily be in a situation in a great offense with a solid offensive line, or at least an improving offensive line in theory, where he could get the lion's share of the work if Dalvin Cook gets hurt again, or potentially just work his way into a timeshare. But one other guy that we haven't touched on here that really stands out to me, and, and he's finally getting a little bit of love, is Justice Hill in Baltimore. I'm not sold on Mark Ingram. He's uh, right at that age where it's a tipping point, and now you have a backfield that doesn't have anybody as explosive as Justice Hill, so why not? They invested a little bit in him in the draft. You would like to think that maybe he can get out there and be their perimeter guy. The only fear I have there is how consistent can somebody like that be? And if I can throw one last name out there for you, Tony Pollard is another guy. Totally predicated on what happens with Ezekiel Elliott, but a lot of gamers should be stashing that name away and watching closely as that situation plays out. Corey, Awesome stuff. Really appreciate you joining me today. Again, this is that, that has been Corey Bonini with The Huddle, senior fantasy editor over at The Huddle. And, Corey, again, you had a, uh, a discount for our listeners today. Could you give us that uh, again once again? Sure. It's all lowercase, USAT, like USA Today. So it's USAT and the number 19 for $10 off of a premium subscription. Awesome, Corey. Really appreciate you coming on. You can follow him on Twitter as well. It's at Corey, C-O-R-Y underscore Bonini, B-O-N-I-N-I. Corey, thanks so much. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And that was my interview with Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey did a great job on the podcast today. I want to thank him for being a guest, and I want to thank you all for listening to another edition of of the Real-Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On our next podcast, we will preview the receiver position. So stay tuned. That'll be up next week. This has been Jeff Power for Real-Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day, everyone.